All right. <laughs> so today we begin a new series. And this series will be a commentary on a book by Osho. And the book is Glimpses of a Golden Childhood. So I thought I would call this series Glimpses of Glimpses because we are just going to go through and pick out a few of the little stories that Osho shares in this book. So let's get into it. Let's take a look at what we're dealing with, what our sort of guiding inquiry can be, and let's set the stage. So this book was written as a dictation of what Osho was talking about during his dental sessions. So he's basically in his room and in one of his rooms he had a dentist chair and his dentist was working on him. Now there is some of the things that we need to explain about what exactly is going on and we'll get to that in a minute. But essentially, basically, Osho is just sitting there and he's telling stories about his childhood. And someone's dictating it, they're writing it down, and that's the book. And they do about 40 sessions, so there's 40 chapters in the book or so, and they cover all sorts of things as well as just where Osho is at and what it's like to be around him. And it's quite tricky to know where to begin. It's quite tricky to really set the stage at all because he's such a indescribable phenomenon and there's so much depth to it that there's almost no way to convey there's no way to water it down there's no way to even really even even to make a start at all, right? <laughs> so, if you can imagine Osho sitting in his dentist chair in one of his rooms and there's about two or three people with him. And one of those people is 
the person who's writing. They're actually taking the notes. Another of those people would be his assistant. And another person is the dentist. Now, to just say something about the writer, the person taking notes. Now, Osho does talk very slowly a lot of the time. He also does often leave long spaces between his words. He leaves long gaps. And if you are skilled in the art of dictating or taking notes from dictation, then you can write in a kind of shorthand that means that you can get down the exact words and then fill it out later. There is a skill to that. There isn't craft to that. And in addition to this, Osho was aware of the person dictating. He was working with them. There are, there are certain times in the sessions when he would turn to them say and say, have you actually got that? Or read back what you've written. Or did you know the spelling, the correct spelling for that? Let me spell that for you. So it's very much a collaborative kind of dictation. Osho was very aware of what was going on. And as for his assistant, well, his assistant would be there just to do certain things with his health, with his diet, with taking care of him with making sure he has what he needs and also maybe helping with the dictation and also helping with the dentist. And as for the dentist, the dentist, I believe, was a man by the name of Devagit. And he was a trained dentist. He worked as a dentist in the literal sense of it. But he also worked with Osho to discover or develop a new kind of therapy. And it's a therapy which works with the teeth. It works with light. It works with opening up memories in the body through certain interactions with the body. And... I believe it was originally called Akashic Transmission and it was later changed to Somatic Experiencing or to be moved into the Somatic Experiencing School or Discipline. And the process, as I understand it, is you basically shine certain colored lights onto different parts of the body and onto different teeth. So if you can imagine Osho in his dentist chair and Devagit is shining certain lights and doing certain things, sometimes in his mouth and sometimes around his face. And that has an effect, just like all of these therapies and awareness techniques, they have an effect. And in some ways, it's subtle. In some ways, it's very powerful. Because one way of looking at it is, well, 
We can just get you to sit in a chair and we'll say, okay, talk about your childhood. And that's one kind of thing. Or we could say, okay, sit in a chair and just talk about whatever comes to mind. Right? Whatever comes to mind. And that's another thing. That's another approach. And you could say, all right, well, we'll sit you in a chair and I'm going to shine some lights onto different parts of your body and you just say whatever comes to mind. And it might be that, well, by coincidence or by whatever explanation you'd like, because of the lights shining, certain memories appear, certain things come to mind, certain things are recalled within your consciousness. And these practices do take a level of awareness. Almost like almost like hypnotism, right? If you if you go to a hypnotist, they need to have some sort of sensitivity over you. They have to have some sort of persuasion over you. If you're just closed, then it won't work. But if you're open to it, then they can hypnotize you. And that's the same with all these awareness techniques. That's the same with many of the therapies and consciousness processes that were developed by Osho and Devagit and others as well. You have to be open to a certain degree to see that it is bringing something up. And I did get to meet, I believe, I believe I met one of Devagit's brothers. I didn't meet Devagit himself, but I met one of his brothers. And I also did meet a number of people who had had this exact therapy, this exact process done on them. And they had said a number of different things about what it's like to experience that. So that's a little bit about what's happening and what's going on. It's a little bit strange. And and Osho at this stage, he's about 49 years old. And he does have bad teeth. He's got at least one missing. And as you read this, as you sort of sense, okay, so he's in his dentist chair. He's got his assistant's. And he's talking and he's telling these stories. You sort of get this sense that there's something in the air. Which is. Very edgy. It's very much like you have to pay attention. You really have to be on your best. Awareness or something. And one of the things that happens is Osho actually hits one of his assistants because they look at they look at their watch and he says, Well, that's distracted me. And you might think, Whoa, okay. Well that's that's a bit harsh, isn't it? 
But then we find out later that actually, well, Osho felt really bad and he says sorry and he said it kept him up all night that he hit him, even though he knows that he's going to do it again. (laughs) And actually later on, the assistant ends up writing a letter to Osho to say thank you for hitting me. And this is not... Make no mistake about this. This is not some masochistic kind of relationship, sort of enjoying the abuse kind of arrangement. This is this is something else because it's to keep you on your edge, right? It's the edge in the air. There, there's something very tense. And yet at the same time, you can feel that these people are very deeply drawn to Osho. You can tell that there is a really alive feeling that they get from being around him. From being able to be in the same room as him. And he says in one of the earliest chapters that, well... He's the most spaced out guy you've ever known. (laughs) And you really sense that. One thing he says is that he's holding on to the chair just to know that he's still here. Right? So if you imagine imagine him sitting in the dentist chair and just, just holding on to it. Almost like it's he's in a plane taking off. And you really, as you read into the stories more, start to feel that there's an amazing kind of love surrounding Osho. And these people, these assistants that are doing this work with him, really feel an amazing sense of love. So... That's a little bit about setting the stage as to what we're working with and what's happening as he tells these stories. And he does also talk in circles, which he mentions himself. So he sort of has these stories and he comes back to them a little bit each session again and again. He does also say that he's he's freaking in instead of freaking out. <laughs> so that's his way of sort of playing on a old saying of what does it mean to freak out? Well, what does it mean to freak in? And he does also help actually with some of the translations. So one of the one of the things that's quite astounding about Osho is his intellect. It's his mind. Right? He will be able to quote old scriptures and old books from both East and West. And there's times when he would be quoting some Hindi poetry and translating it. 
and then doing an alternate translation from the Pali version or the Sanskrit version. And then he would be coming up with his own new translation and actually changing the definitions around to get the point of the poetry across. And he weaves these things straight from the top of his head, right? He can just memorize full poems and full passages of pages. And it's quite intricate. It's quite intellectual at times. And to think that he's just sort of sitting there doing this straight off the top of his head is quite astounding. And yet another thing he says is he's got a perfect mind, but he doesn't use it. (laughs) He says that he's completely dropped his mind. He's completely lost it. He doesn't even use it anymore. And that's something that's, well, quite tricky to convey. It's, it's something that you, you really only sense as you read these stories, as you hear him tell these stories, right? Because stories are told through the mind, with the use of the mind. And really, that brings us nicely to the right orientation that we need to hear these stories. And the guiding question is, well, what's behind this person? What kind of person would tell these stories? What kind of person would think that way? What kind of person would act that way? And these are the sorts of questions I want us to have in mind as we go through this series as we get into this and listen to some of these stories. And it is rather tricky to even begin at all, it feels. (laughs) Right? Because who... Who was Osho? That's really the question we're trying to answer. Who was this guy? And I and I found that question has come up as I've read this book. It's just been like, who was this guy? And for me it wasn't it wasn't really even the this particular book where I started to sense that because I'd heard Osho lectures before and he tells stories from his childhood in his other lectures. And I actually met I actually met Osho's brother himself. So I met I met Devagit's brother, who was the dentist that was working on Osho, but I actually met Osho's younger brother himself. And we didn't talk much. We just crossed paths a couple of times. But I remember I remember walking up to him one time after hearing some stories from Osho's childhood, and I, and, I, and I really just pressed him. I said, is, is this true? Are these stories real? Did this really happen? Because they're, they're so unfathomable. They're so unbelievable. They're so out of this world at times. 
that that you just have to question like like how how is that possible and i asked osho's brother and he said well yes they are true and not only are they true well there are live stories there were plenty of people around plenty of people who saw these stories and were there when it happened and you sort of wonder like if you only see the phenomenon of osho you you ask yourself well how did this happen right how did he become the massive rock star cultural phenomenon that he did where did it all start where did it all begin and if you go back and you look at these stories in the book that we're discussing and you see well that's how it happened now now it sort of makes sense in some level it was almost like he was destined to have the impact that he did but then on another level <laughs> it becomes even more confusing it becomes even more like like mind boggling like my my eyes are popping out of my head <laughs> and it is very much that one thing leads to another in a life and it is very much that the quality of your consciousness determines how much of what happens around you and all the the fame the influence the the controversies the 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 mess the chaos the organizations the institutions all of that is sort of just part of the osho phenomenon it's not really something to understand it's not something to explain it's just sort of that that's just the story that's just the the magic of it all and there really is so many more stories that can ever be shared right i mean this this book is glimpses of a golden childhood and one of the things osho said right at the start is well his childhood was golden but if his childhood was golden then his middle years were diamond and if his middle years were diamond then his later years were platinum and he makes the point that a lot of people say their childhood was golden because they felt good in childhood and then things went terrible in their adult years and they just feel like if they'd had those earlier years if they could get back to those earlier years things would be good but they weren't really that good they just feel that way by contrast <laughs> that's just relative to their adult years they have a golden childhood relative to their adult years madosho really did have 
a golden childhood. So that sets the stage for what is happening. So if you can just imagine Osho sitting in his dentist chair and doing these sessions and just talking while someone takes notes and he's telling stories as the dentist, the therapist, Devagit, does certain things which we're not really clear on what he's working on, what he's doing. It doesn't matter really so much. It's just that, well, he's doing his process. And I believe at this stage, Osho was giving two lectures per day or two evening or two discourses per day. So he would have been basically waking up, doing what he does and then going to these sessions, these dentist sessions and then going off, doing some things and then talking, doing his discourse and then having something in the middle of the day and then having another session with the dentist and then having the evening discourse. So that's just a little bit of a sketch about what's going on. But Osho, he sort of he sort of comes and goes as he pleases, right? It's not like he had a, a schedule set for himself. He might set up at a different time. He might come at a different time. And time is actually one of the things he talks about. His relationship to time is one of the very interesting things about his experience of reality. That's something we'll discuss later on. But at least that gives you a little bit of a sense of what's going on. And he did he did keep his contact with people quite small. So this this group of three people, these two or three assistants, well, they're a very closed group. They're a very tight group. And it would have been that one of his assistants was managing the communications to the next person in command. And then that person would have had managers working for them and organizing things around his institution, around his ashram or his resort at that time. So that sets the stage. That's Osho sits in a dentist chair. And this will be a multi-part series. And we'll just pick a couple of the key stories to look at with Osho's life and his early years. And what kind of person is this? What kind of person would live like that? What kind of person would say these things and do these things? And we can just, we can just wonder. We can't really know. (laughs) And it does require an open mind. It does require a kind of sensitivity. It does require an open heart in many ways to really listen to someone's story and accept that the way they want to tell their story is the way they want to tell it. 
and we can listen to that without putting our own conditions on it, without putting our own ideas on it, without bringing our own beliefs to it. So tune in for the next episode. That will be part two. Thanks very much for listening and we'll be back very soon with more.